Today we are continuing our series called Letters, where we've been looking at this uh, letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the four churches that he had started in the region of Galatia, Turkey. He had found out that these churches that he had started many, many years before were now following a false gospel. And so he sits down and he writes this letter for the purpose of telling them, okay, here's what the true gospel is all about. Here's what the gospel is not all about. He says, look, we're not following the Old Testament law anymore, but here is the purpose of the law, why we still do want to follow the law in, in some ways. And then as we looked at last week, he starts to get into this whole reason that the Holy Spirit has even been given to us. And what we talked about last week is that when you know, your natural nature wants to rise up and, and sin, the Spirit of God actually gives you the power over that sin. And the proof that you're truly a follower, that you truly have the Spirit living in you, is that this fruit will start to come out of you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul says, you don't need a law in order to do those things. If you're truly a follower, those things will just come right out of you. And so if you've got a Bible today, we're going to continue here, and we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 6. Again, Galatians chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. All the scriptures will be on the screen there behind me. Also, they're provided there in the program that you received as you came in. And if you have a smartphone, you can pull out your smartphone, go to exponential.church, and you can look at our digital bulletin there, and it has all the scriptures that you can follow along, as well as the fill-in-the-blanks as well. All right, so with that said, Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 to 9, Paul writes this. You cannot fool God, so don't make a fool of yourself. You will do what? You will, you will harvest what you plant. If you follow your selfish desires, you'll harvest destruction. But if you follow the Spirit, you'll harvest eternal life. We can't allow ourselves to get tired of living the right way. Certainly, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. Now, let me be very clear about something here. Paul is not contradicting himself because it appears that maybe he's contradicting what he's been writing throughout the rest of the letter. Remember, the, the whole letter has been basically this, that when it comes to your salvation, when it comes to the forgiveness of your sin, it's Jesus and Jesus alone that, that can do that for you. That he takes care of the penalty of your sin all by himself. It's not you and Jesus, it's Jesus alone. And we said it's the same way that he has also given you the power over your sin. And that only comes by Jesus. It's not you and Jesus. It's Jesus gives you the power to do that. But yet here comes Paul now and he's starting to say, or it looks like he's saying, if you do X, then God will do Y for you spiritually. And you're thinking, oh, wait, that, that's just a contradiction because I thought it was Jesus and Jesus alone. Now he's saying that there's a part that I have to do with this. But Paul is not contradicting himself here. What Paul is doing is reminding us of a principle that all of us have learned at some point in life. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, we've all heard the saying that you'll reap what you sow, right? I mean, we, we just know that. That's just a natural principle. We see that like with plants and crops and stuff that what you, what you sow, you're eventually going to have a harvest. You're going to reap that. And that's what Paul is talking about here is that you are a direct result of your past decisions. Some of the decisions you made were good decisions. Some of them were bad decisions. And here's what we need to understand. When you made bad decisions in the past, 
Jesus and Jesus alone can you forgive you of those things. When you've made bad decisions and it felt because, you know, there's something in me that's making me sin against him, Jesus and Jesus alone gives you the power over those things. However, I'm happy you're a Christian now. I'm glad that you're trying to do the best that you can now. But a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, you weren't doing the best that you could. You weren't living for Jesus. And what Paul's saying is, you are now going to reap what you sowed. So Jesus is still the one that gives you the power over sin. He's still the one that gives you the forgiveness of the penalty of your sin. But the fact of the matter remains, you did still sin. And you're going to have to reap what you sowed because of that. So just because you're doing your best now doesn't erase all the sowing that you did in the past. So here's how I put it on your outline. I can get forgiveness of my sin, but I can't unsin. Even though God forgives, my actions still have consequences. I mean, this, if you think about it, it makes sense. You can do this if you, every morning, you can get up and go to Dunkin' Donuts, get yourself a dozen donuts there at Dunkin' Donuts. Then at lunch, every day, you can go get your Big Mac. Every night, you can stop over here at the Olive Garden, load up on pasta. Later on, you're going out to you know, Dairy Queen or Sweet Frog or something. You're loading up on all that. You can do that if you want. At the end of the year, you can ask God for forgiveness about my gluttonous lifestyle that I'm leading. But just because you ask for that forgiveness doesn't mean that the pounds suddenly melt away. You reap what you've sown. And so, yeah, you can ask for forgiveness. And he'll give you that. And the penalty of your sin is taken care of. And the power of that sin is taken care of. But there are still consequences for what happened. And that's what Paul's talking about here. Again, it's not a contradiction at all. In fact, Paul's not the only one throughout Scripture that talks about this. About 70 different times throughout the 66 books of the, of the entire Bible, this principle of sowing and reaping is talked about. Paul is basically saying that, look, if you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap of the Spirit. But if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap destruction. Again, it's not a contradiction of the gospel. It's how you apply the gospel. And in some ways, he's really just continuing what we talked about last week. Because remember, I said to you, look, if you drive your roots deep into the gospel, if you drive your roots deep into Jesus, in other words, if you, if you plant into Jesus, if you plant into the gospel. If you sow into Jesus, if you sow into the gospel, you're going to reap fruit. You'll have a harvest of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Does that make sense? So who saves you? Jesus and Jesus alone, right? He's the one that gives you the forgiveness of the penalty of your sin He's the one that gives you the power over your sin. However, you still will reap what you've sown. There will be consequences. Peter, the Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' best friends, he was writing to the churches throughout Asia. And he writes this because he likens this whole thing 
to being an infant. Look at 1 Peter 2.2. 2. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Parents, think back to when your child was an infant. You didn't put a whole lot of thought into, I've got to make this baby grow. What you did was you said, I'm going to keep feeding the baby. And as long as I keep feeding the baby, the baby will grow. And if the baby didn't grow, it was a sign of some sort of problem, right? So in other words, growth should come naturally as long as you keep doing the natural things of, of feeding. So if you sow food into the body for an infant, it's going to have a harvest of growth. And if it's not growing, again, it's a sign that something is wrong. And, and the Peter's basically saying it's the same way with you spiritually. If you keep feeding yourself, keep feeding yourself good things, God things, keep planting those spiritual things into your life, you're going to grow. There's going to be fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. It's going to happen. And then the writer of the, the book of Hebrews said, eventually you're going to be like a baby. You're going to be like, man, this is, this is really good and I'm growing and now I want some meat. Right? I, I'm not content with just the milk anymore. Now I want the meat of God's word. And then eventually I, I want to start to share this with other people. I want to start to teach others, disciple others. Because I've tasted of the goodness of the Lord. I want them to experience it because it's like the best restaurant I've ever been in. I want everybody to know about this. And so again, if you'll hunger and thirst after the things of God, if you'll feed on His Word, you will grow. There'll be a, a harvest that you'll reap down the road. And really, I, I'm applying this obviously from a, a scriptural standpoint, from a spiritual standpoint, but this goes to anything in life. You are a direct result of your habits that you have. You sow good habits today, you're going to reap good things tomorrow and the next day and the day after that. If you sow bad habits today, same thing. You're going to have a harvest down the road that you're going to regret. Now, in the context of talking about sowing and reaping here, Paul is actually using our financial possessions as an illustration because it's just such a tangible thing, right? Money's a tangible thing. And you know this because you can look at the, the context of the verses that we read. You look at the couple verses before, the couple verses after. It's very obvious that he's talking about money and possessions. He actually makes it even more blatant in first, or actually 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 8. And he's talking about, again, sowing and reaping, but he actually is talking about, uh, uh, again, more blatantly about money. Look at this. He says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all that you need. And then you'll always have everything that you need and plenty left over to share with others. Again, he's talking about money here, but this principle can be applied to any area of your life. 
And if you think about it, this whole sort of law of, of spiritual uh, uh, sowing and, and reaping, or actually any uh, sowing and reaping, it has two components to it. There's a natural component to it. Just the, the thing that we naturally know that if you put a seed in the ground, it's going to reap some sort of harvest. But then there's also a supernatural component to it. And that Jesus shows up and he sort of intensifies and magnifies the whole sowing and reaping process. So it's almost like he's like, oh, you're giving? That's good. Boom, I'm going to dump some miracle grow on that. And I'm going to intensify that. And I'm going to give you back more than what you gave. The flip side is true as well. You're sinning in some way, and he's like, boom, I'm going to dump the miracle grow on that. I'm going to intensify it. Not because I hate you, not because I'm angry at you, not because I want to punish you, but because I want you to see sooner rather than later the magnitude of the sin that you're involved in, and hopefully you'll repent and turn back to me. And so again, there's this two, two elements to it. There's the, the natural thing that all of us see, whether we're, we're followers of Jesus or not, and then there's this supernatural aspect that God is doing as well to intensify it. All right, so with all that said, what I really want to cover here today then is what are sort of the laws of the harvest? If we know that sowing and reaping are, are natural things that happen, and then there's also this supernatural thing that's going to happen as well, what are some just some laws that go along with it? And by the way, when I'm talking about laws here, I'm not talking about like the laws that we've talked about doing away with. I'm talking more like the law of gravity, right? That the law of gravity is just something that it happens. Well, there's this law of sowing and reaping that's going to happen whether you like it or not. So five things here for you this morning. The first one is this, if you're taking notes. I can only harvest what I plant. Again, I can only harvest what I plant. Take a look at the screen here a second. Here's a picture of 28 different types of seeds. Now, the writing's small there. You may not be able to see what all of them are there. But 28 different types of seeds, you see they're different colors, different sizes, various things. Here's what I want you to imagine. You know, we're, we're starting to get colder, but you're like, all right, we're going to have one last hurrah on the grill outside today. And so you, you, you've decided that, you know, well, actually, I guess it couldn't be today because of what I'm about to share with you. But anyway, you like the grill, and you like your burgers, and with your burgers, you like corn on the cob. And you've decided that you are going to grow your own corn on the cob. That's why I said you couldn't do this today, right? <laughs> it's going to be a little too fast. Uh, but you've decided you're going to grow your own corn on the cob. Out of those 28 seeds there, and I know you can't read all of them, but take a wild guess. Out of the 28 seeds, if you want to grow your own, own corn on the cob, which seed are you going to need to have? The corn. You can't take the white millet. <laughs> I've never even heard of a white millet. You can't take the white millet and say, ooh, I hope it becomes corn on the cob, because it's not. If you want corn, you plant corn. If you want wheat, you plant wheat. If you want peas, you're disgusting. Don't eat that crap, man, come on. (laughs) 
What you plant is what you're going to get. This makes sense? What you plant is what you're going to end up harvesting. If you haven't sown it, then God can't multiply it. There's a great example of this in John chapter 6. It's there that Jesus is teaching, and there's a, a large crowd, uh, 5,000 men plus women and children are there, and the disciples eventually go, Jesus, it's getting late. The crowd's obviously getting hungry. Send them home. And Jesus says, well, why don't you feed them? And they're like, dude, we don't have that kind of money. We don't have those types of resources. There's no possible way. Jesus just ignores him and he says to him instead, well, what do you have? They're like, well, there's this kid over here. He's got a happy meal. It looks like it's got like, you know, five loaves of bread and two fish in it. Filet of fish, right? <laughs> Jesus is like, that'll do. He says, bring it here. And they give it to Jesus. Jesus blesses it. He gives it to the disciples. He says, now you start to distribute it. And as they're taking it around and Bob takes something out. Bob's got enough, and now Tara's got enough, and George's got enough, and Judy's got enough, and Seth, and Brian, and just going right on around. And every time somebody takes something out, more appears inside. And by the time they're done, everybody's fed, and the disciples are like, can we get a box? We've got leftovers. This is cool. We're getting two meals out of this. Now, don't miss this miracle, because a lot of you, you, you get the order of this backwards. See, a lot of you think that what happened was that they gave the, the loaves and the fish to Jesus, and it multiplied there in his hands, and then the disciples took that and distributed it. Actually, it's the opposite. Jesus blessed it, and he said, now you take it, and as you give it away, then the miracle's going to take place. As you give it away, then I will multiply it. See how this applies to you? See, I have so many people that they go, you know what? As soon as God multiplies my money and my possessions, then I'm going to become very generous and start to give. He says, no, 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 no. You take what I've already blessed and you start to give it away. Then... I will do the multiplication. Then I will do the miracle. In other words, the miracle happened in the hands of the disciples, not in Jesus' hands. Jesus blessed it. Jesus was the one that orchestrated the whole thing. But it was only once they decided to give it away that it took place. And so we, we've got to learn to do the same thing. As you give away, things will multiply. It's once you plant that seed, that's when you get the harvest. Number two, my harvest will always come later than when I plant it. Now, some of you are going, thank you, O master of the obvious. You're going, Gilbert, of course the harvest always comes after we plant. But you know what? Oftentimes we don't live that way. You see, the hardest part of harvesting is waiting on the harvest to actually come in. It's 
taking the, the time and the effort to plant and then to have the patience to wait because we want results and we want results right now. But in order to have a good harvest, you've got to plant that seed, then you've got to water that seed, then you've got to get in there and you've got to rip out any of the weeds that's in there. The harvest doesn't come until much, much later. But we get impatient, don't we? You know, it's sort of like you, you want to diet, you want to lose some weight, and your mind sort of goes, all right, I'm going to start a diet, and then that night you eat a salad for dinner, and then the next morning you're like, why didn't I lose any weight? Or, or you're like, you know what? I did 30 push-ups. Why don't I look like a Greek god now? Because it's not the way it works. You plant, and then there's, there's some, some work that still needs to be done. And ultimately, then, the harvest will come. From what I read, corn on the cob that we talked about earlier, takes anywhere from 60 to 100 days for you to be able to do that. You know, in the, the grand scheme of things, 60 to 90 days isn't a very long time. But when it comes to your health, when it comes to your finances, when it comes to your, your marriage, when it comes to the, the ministry that you started, the, the dream that God has given you, the, the business that you start, whatever it is, those things take time in order to have a harvest that comes in. But listen, it will come, but you've got to plant the seed. And the best time to plant the first seed is right here, right now, today. Get started now. Paul says in verse 9, don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Your harvest will come. You just got to give it some time. Number three, what I harvest will always be greater than what I planted. Again, what I harvest will always be greater than what I planted. If you plant a wheat seed, you're going to have a wheat stalk that comes up that has hundreds of wheat seeds in it. So that one seed can become greater than what you planted. If you take an acorn and you, you plant it into the ground, an acorn tree will come up. If you've ever had an acorn tree, you know those things, man. Thousands of acorns suddenly start raining down. But you know what that has the potential for? More trees, thousands of more trees. And then those trees can have thousands of acorns and more trees. It's part of the reason we're called Exponential Church. Because each one of us has the potential in us to multiply many, many times over and have a, a much bigger impact than what even just one of us could have alone. I mean, corporately, imagine what we could do if we were all planting the seeds of the gospel every single day in the community, in our families' lives, in our workplace, in our schools. Because each seed that we plant 
if we keep working with that seed and we water it and we help to, to weed it and it, it comes and there's a harvest and somebody comes in a relationship with Jesus, now that's somebody else now that can be planting seeds. Harvest can always and should always be greater than what we originally planted. Now that works in a good way, but again, it's a negative thing too. Remember, the law of sowing and reaping isn't just for good things. It's negative things as well. Allison was sharing with me on uh, Facebook. She said when they first moved here to Harrisburg seven years ago, her and Nate, when they came back from Ohio, said they bought their new house. And in their garden, it was well, the purslane uh, weed. And they didn't plant it. But whether it was the wind that blew the seed or an animal that brought the seed in, all of a sudden it's there in the garden. And that weed has more seeds, and those seeds produce more weeds, and more weeds produce more seeds, and more seeds produce, and all of a sudden she said it just took off and it overtook the garden. It was their great enemy. And it's the exact same way in your life. You keep sowing seeds of destruction, or to the flesh, as Paul said, you keep sowing those seeds to the flesh, it's going to reap a harvest of destruction in your life. This is simple, the, the law of sowing and reaping. So good things, you'll reap a harvest of good things. So bad things, you're going to harvest bad things, but it's always going to come back greater. Jesus at one point, he said that the, the harvest will come back 30, 60, 100 times what it is that you've sown. Again, it's true of the good seed. Unfortunately, it's true of the bad as well. And so parents, this is why it is so, so important that every single day, every single moment, you are planting good seeds into the lives of your children. You've got to plant those good seeds because if you're planting bad seeds, Scripture, actually Moses said it at one point, he says it's a generational curse that's on your family. And this is why we see some families that it's generation after generation after generation of alcoholics or domestic abuse. Generation after generation of marriages that fall apart. Why? Because you saw grandma and grandpa and their marriage didn't make it. And so that seed was sown into their child, your parents. And now all of a sudden you grew up watching your parents with a dysfunctional relationship and now you've had a dysfunctional relationship. And guess what? You're going to keep passing that on to your kids. You keep sowing those seeds, you're going to have a harvest of a generational curse. The famous evangelist Billy Sunday once said this, that for every one lap you take around the devil's track, your kids will take seven laps around the devil's track. You know, I'm coming up in February, it'll be 20 years that I've been a pastor, and I started from day one of, of preaching, warning parents of what I saw was coming. And sure enough, unfortunately, here we are 20 years later, and it's happened. And it's simply this. We are now living in a day and time where 20 and 30-year-olds are walking away from Jesus, from the church, and faith in record numbers. In fact, on the latest census statistics, it showed that the number one category that people checked as far as religious affiliation was the box none, N-O-N-E, none. And the biggest demographic out of that is young people that are walking away 
from the faith. And parents are coming to me now and they're going, you know, Gilbert, I don't know what happened, man. Would you, would you please pray for my child? And you know what? I'll pray for anybody. But parents today, they don't understand how in the world did this happen? And I'll tell you exactly how it happened. It's because you sowed those seeds into them. You sowed seeds that said, you know what? Our faith is not really important. And parents fight back and they go, no, 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 our faith is important. And I'm like, really? Because what I see in our society, and again, what I started preaching 20 years ago was this, that if you keep showing them and sowing into them a half-hearted faith, that we show up to church whenever it's convenient for us, that we don't serve, we don't give, we don't truly love our neighbor, if they don't see you sowing those seeds of, of reading the Bible every day and praying every day, you know, some parents for the past 20 years, not only have they allowed their kids to miss church because of sporting events or dance or whatever, not only have they allowed that, they've actually encouraged their kids because they're like, you know what, that's going to look really good on a college resume. But you were more concerned about their college resume than you were about their eternal life. And now you're complaining about this harvest that you've gotten of, why is my kid not in church anymore? It's because you planted that seed in them. Now you're reaping the harvest. And it breaks my heart because I could see this coming. Yet here's... Here's where we're at. And again, there's this, this thing of generational curses. And eventually somebody in some family has to step up. And, and this is any generational curse. Somebody eventually has to step up and say, it stops here. It stops with my generation. We're done with that. Jesus has forgiven us of that. Jesus has given us the power over that. But we're no longer sowing those seeds. And we're now going to reap a harvest of righteousness. Twenty years, seeds of materialism and me firstness and half-heartedness have been sown. Now the harvest has come. Whether you're a parent or, or not, or whether you've been sowing bad seeds, and in other words, what is the solution? What's well, simple? You have got to start sowing the good seed that you want. So if your finances are a wreck, you need to start sowing financially. If you want respect, guess what? You've got to give respect. If you want honor, you've got to sow honor into the lives of other people. If you want happiness for your life, you've got to start saying, what can I do to make other people's lives happy? It can't be about you and what you want. You start sowing seeds into other people's lives. You start making other people better. Sow those good seeds, and God will bring back a harvest greater than what you planted. Jesus talks about this in Luke 6.38. Now, he was talking about finances here, but again, you can apply this to anything. Luke 6.38, Jesus says, if you give to others, you will be given a full amount in return. And your gift will return to you in full and overflowing, in an overflowing measure, pressed down, shaken together, making room for more, and spilling over into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount that you give back, that you get back, I should say. 
you know, some of you have heard the story I shared that when Lisa and I were dating and considering getting married, one of the big considerations was, do we even have enough money between the two of us <laughs> to be able to move out of mommy and daddy's homes and get a place on our own and be married? And of course, she had been a Christian for many years and was already a, a tithing Christian, but I just was a new Christian. And I was like, what's this word mean, tithe? And she says, what well, means 10%? That's what you give back. And we're sitting there doing our budget, trying to figure out, can we even afford to get married or not? And there was a line on it that said, what is your tithe and what's it going to be? And I said, well, how much is ours going to be? And she's like, you idiot, tithe means 10%. That's what we're going to give. And I'm like, but we can't afford to even get married and now you're saying we're going to give away 10%? She's like, yeah. And so in faith, I started to, again, she was already doing it, but in faith, I started to do that. And many of you have heard our, our story. It was shortly after doing that that God started to bless my first business that I had. And then God brought an opportunity for a second business. And that second business took off. And we had all kinds of people working for us. We made all kinds of money doing that. And so we made two determinations, really, there at the very beginning. And it was simply this, that our tithe was always going to be the very first bill that we paid that God was going to get his 10% before anybody else got, and it didn't matter who we owed. We'd have to say, sorry, you're not getting paid until God gets paid. That was the first decision. The other thing that we decided to do was to try to be as generous as we possibly could with as many people as we could. And so we're, we're always just looking for how can we, we bless people, and, and many of you know that, you know, if you're going out to eat with us, we're paying for it, right? I mean, you've been there, except for those dirty people back there. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> you're not dirty people. Rick and, and Joanne and family, we went out last week, and I was going to pay like I normally do, and he and I were arguing about, you know, should we do it? And he sneakily handed the credit card to the server. I'm like, uh, I'll get you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, you know what, you'll, you'll reap destruction this Saturday for that dastardly deed when my turfs beat your line Friday. Is it Friday? Oh, okay, sorry. I should know. It's on the calendar. If you haven't seen my calendar, it says Maryland against that other team on the calendar because we're, we're, Seth and I are going to the game. And uh, it just says Maryland against that other team because I won't even put those words in my phone <laughs> and desecrate my phone in such a way. But anyway, Lisa and I, we, we try to be as generous as, as we possibly can. And you know what we've learned? You can't outgive God. You can simply not outgive God. The more we try to give away, the more he gives back. Now, I've shared with this in, in the past. You don't now just give because you're like, oh, cool, this is a get-rich-quick scheme, right? I'm just going to give it all away. And boom, I got uh, it. It's still about the heart. It's about the motivation of why you're giving. But you give. And, and look, Paul said here, when you give, don't give reluctantly. Don't give under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. But when you learn to give, when you plant those good seeds, you'll reap a harvest like you wouldn't believe. And God has been very good to us through the years. Now again, I'm just using finances here as an illustration of this because this applies to any seed that you plant. 
you're going to get back a much greater return. Number four, my harvest will be proportional to the sacrifice that it took to plant. Again, I'll use money here just as a simple way to illustrate it because it is such a tangible thing. But God is not as impressed with how much you give as he is with the sacrifice it took to give. You know, if Bill Gates were here today, he could very easily drop a check in our offering buckets for $10,000 or $100,000. But to him, that's not a lot of money. You know who God is impressed by? Not somebody who can give $10,000. He's impressed by somebody that says, you know what, things are tough, finances are tight, but we're still going to honor God anyway. We're going we're to make some sacrifices so that we can honor him and, and give to him. So it's not about the amount given, it's a, about the, the sacrifice that it took to plant the seed. Again, I, I'm using money as an illustration, but, but think beyond just money here. God is looking at your heart. He's looking at, are you sacrificing for me? Because I sacrificed so much for you. There's a, a great example of this in the Old Testament that you know Solomon, who was the wisest man who ever lived and one of the richest men who ever lived, some of you have wondered, you know, was Solomon always wise? Was it just a natural born gift that he had or did something else happen? And the answer is something else happened. It was a gift that God gave him because Solomon asked for it. And you're like, well, what's the backstory of that? Why did Solomon even do that? Why did God even make the offer to Solomon for that? And there's a couple of various factors, but here's one of the big ones. Solomon was the third king of Israel. And the tradition that it sort of happened up until that point was that when the new king had his inauguration, the king would offer up to God a sacrifice of the very best bull that he had. It was a way to, to worship God, to honor God for this responsibility and this trust that God had given him as the new king. But by the time Solomon becomes the king, he was already fabulously wealthy. And he knew that sacrificing one bull wasn't a big deal. Wasn't really going to cost him. So Solomon, he decides to sacrifice 1,000 of his best bulls. As a result of that sacrifice, God said, there's somebody's heart that I can use. Solomon, ask for anything, and I'll give it to you. Solomon says, give me wisdom. Now, where did Solomon even learn, you know, to, to honor God in, in that way? Well, it's because of the seed that his father David had planted into him. Look at what David says in 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24. I will not offer to the Lord my God sacrifices that cost me what? Nothing. I will not offer to the Lord my God sacrifices that have cost me nothing. The same needs to be true of you. Whatever it is that you're planning, whatever it is you're giving, it has to be a, a sacrifice of some sort. 
And I've shared this before with you as well, that eventually for Lisa and I, the tithe, the 10%, God had blessed us so much that it was no longer a sacrifice. It was easy. And so we made a third decision then, and that was to continuously every year just keep trying to increase our giving more and more back to the church. And now we give back over 20% of everything back to God. And guess what? God continues to bless. You're like, how could you even live off only 80% of your income? Because when you honor God, God will honor that commitment. He'll honor that sacrifice and give back. You cannot outgive God. And my goal is to do what my former boss, Rick Warren, has been able to do. And he actually reverse ties. So he gives 90% back to the church and lives off of 10%. And I hope if God gives me enough years that we can continue just to increase, increase, increase and continue to give back. So it's not how much you give, it's about the sacrifice that it takes. Do you feel that, hmm, this is uncomfortable? It's when it feels uncomfortable, that's when you know that you're at a good place. Because now it's actually a true sacrifice. Number five, I can't do anything about this year's harvest but I can change next year's. You're going to reap today what you sowed yesterday. It's just the law of sowing and reaping. Even if you've asked for forgiveness, Jesus gives you forgiveness, but there's still going to become a harvest. God forgives immediately, but the only way to truly get a new harvest is to plant different seeds today. So you can't change the past, but you can change the future. Someone once said that the, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Second best time to plant a tree is today. So again, I don't know what you've done in the past. I don't know what harvest you're reaping right now, but you can change it. You can change it. But it starts with the seeds that you're sowing. Financially, relationally, spiritually. What is it that you want? Start planting those seeds. Water those seeds. Nourish those seeds. And the harvest will come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that as we sang earlier in that song, So Will I, just you set the universe in, in motion and, and all the beauty that, that we see, every single human, every single plant, every single animal, every single thing began as a single seed. And you put all these, these laws of the universe in, into motion so that you said, you know what? Every seed that is sown will have a harvest of some sort. And Lord, it's so awesome when we think of the, the good seeds that we've sown and, and just the abundance and the, the, the greatness that you give us. And we thank you for that. But Lord, many of us, we've, we've experienced the flip side of that as well, that when we sow those bad seeds, we've reaped a bad harvest. Lord, again, we, we thank you that 
you forgive us of that, that we don't have to pay the penalty for sowing those bad seeds anymore, and you've given us the power that we don't have to sow those bad seeds anymore. But there are still some consequences. So I, I pray that supernaturally you would just take that harvest and, and put some weed killer on that thing. That you would show us grace in this time and take away some of it. Lord, there are still going to be some consequences that we're, we're going to have to go through. And so help us to learn from those situations. Help us to say, you know what, I, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to sow to the, to the flesh anymore because I'm reaping, reaping a harvest of destruction. Lord, right now, through your spirit, I just pray that you've been speaking to each and every one of us of what is our next step that we need to take? What is the, the seed that we need to sow today so that the harvest that we have a year from now and five years from now and, and ten years from now looks so much different than what we've harvested right now? And Lord, whatever it is you're asking us to, to do, whatever that next step is, give us the boldness, give us the courage to take it. Because if we don't take it, we're just going to continue to reap the same harvest that we've always had. Help us to plant a new seed, a better seed. Most of all, help us to plant your gospel, your good news, deep in our hearts. So that the, the overflow of that, the, the fruit, the harvest that comes out, as we've been talking about, will be more love in us peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Change us, Holy Spirit. Change us right now through the, the miracle of the seed and the miracle of the harvest. And Jesus, just as you promised, when we plant those good seeds, help that harvest come back 30, 60, 100 fold more. We thank you in advance for doing that. It's in your precious name that we pray. Amen.